Hi, I'm Pat McDonald here to tell you that the Hall Shows are back. Bard Hall Shows February 16th through the 19th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds and March 29th through April 2nd at the Long Beach Convention Center. Share the passion of outdoor recreation as we celebrate 75 years of Hall Shows family fun. Guys, we are fired up to be at the 13th Annual Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Festival happening on March 2nd to the 5th at the OC Fair and Event Center in Costa Mesa. Tackle, fishing reports, fishing boats, amazing seminars. Everything's going to be at this show. Make sure not to miss this one. Plus, we're going to have a booth for the Doc Talk podcast, recording live podcasts throughout the day, so make sure you stop by. Not to mention, we are giving away a show package at CCA. $60 gets you entry to the show, a tote bag, one-year membership to CCA, and loaded whip with goodies from our sponsors. Be sure to check us out. Check out that show package at ccacalifornia.org. Register today for it or stop by the CCA booth outside the show whenever you go to the show and take advantage. We'll see you guys there. Thank you so much for joining us on the CCA California podcast. As always, my name is Chris alongside Darren Crowell. Darren, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good, man. It's awesome. going to be a good one today. Happy New Year, by the way. Yes. Happy New Year. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of weird that I'm still writing 22 on all the dates that I write on the piece of paper, but <laughs> it's uh, it, it takes some getting used to, as always. But uh before we get started, make sure to follow us on Instagram at CCA California. Visit us on our website at ccacalifornia.org. And before we get started, Darren, we are super excited. We are going to the PCS show uh, down at the OC Fairgrounds on March 2nd to the 5th. I'm pretty stoked about it. So am I. That's going to be a blast. Yep. Boat shows, all the seminars, everything. Doc Talks is going to even have a, pod, or a, a booth, too which uh, we'll be uh, recording uh, hopefully some live podcasts and all that and some really good content. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. Awesome. Once again, guys, March 2nd to the to the 5th at the OC Fairgrounds. See you there. And without further ado, we've got two great guests this uh, today. We've got Joey and Scott from Taddy Lures. Guys, how are you guys? Good, good, good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I, I well, Before we get started here, I know we're kind of in getting out of the holiday season and all that, but when was the last time you, either of you guys went out? I know we've had a whole bunch of rain lately and just not not uh, not too uh, pleasant weather there. Uh, sadly, I think it's been October. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <a> <laughs> That's worse than ago. me. <laughs> oh, man. What about you, Scott? Um, I think I did a couple of trips with uh, Benny Florentino in November, December. I got one coming up uh, nice. next week with him as well. So Nice. That's awesome. That's cool. He's awesome. Yes, oh, he is. I know. We've we've had him on the podcast plenty of times. We love really Benny. good dude. Really good dude. But uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Thank God for editing. Um, <laughs> Joey, let's get started here. I know you are. Remind me again. I believe you're the grandson of the founder, yeah. or you're yeah. related. Grandson, yeah. My grandson. grandfather started the business uh, officially in like nineteen. 19- 60 or 61. Wow. And I believe before that, he was making most of the lures in his backyard. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So all these guys that, I mean, nowadays you see, I mean, even Darren here has been making swim baits in in his garage and all that stuff. Thank you. And uh, it seems like it's kind of... It, it's a trend going on right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the, the beauty of the of the fishing industry is you can start something up relatively inexpensive and uh, with a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of know-how, you know, you can create your own lure um, that can last a lifetime, mm-hmm. you know? So it's definitely interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 it's strange to think that we started in the backyard, mm-hmm. went to a skid row building in LA, <laughs> nice. you know, and, and, and gradually progressed into, you know, downtown LA to Bell Gardens to currently we're in city of industry okay. in LA. And uh, it's it's amazing, you know. Um, I know my grandfather never would have expected 
Hattie to grow the way it has and to yeah. to progress into you know larger buildings and at different areas you know around the world. Um, he was really just concerned about Southern California when he started. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think we had one customer out of state. You know, probably not even any customers in Northern California. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just concerned about the local Redondo, L.A., Orange County fishing, San Diego fishing. Yeah, I mean, Taddy's a household name in the whole industry. <clears throat> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to imagine. Yeah. yeah. Have you always been involved in uh, in the business at all? For the most part, yeah. I've mm-hmm. had a few other jobs, um, but for the most part, yeah, I've been with Taddy my whole life. Yeah, since I was a kid. Nice. And uh, have you kind of? Started at the bottom and worked your way all up the top, doing I think every I'm job. Still in on between. the bottom. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you ever. You may have the title boss, but that still doesn't mean you don't clean toilets. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it says a lot about about the personality too, though. I mean, you're willing to get down and dirty all the way to. It's like that phrase where you don't you don't ask someone else to do or your employees to do something that you wouldn't do. Absolutely. Yeah. That's and I I I really believe that. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. You know, we have I have fantastic, fantastic employees and they're they all have their own special skill sets that obviously I wanna let them do what they're good at. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the one that has to clean the bathrooms, well <laughs> that's just the way it is. You know? I don't wanna stop progression, right? You know, we, right, we right. want everything to keep rolling and uh mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, again, you know, fantastic, fantastic employees. And I kind of really, I don't manage them, mm-hmm. you know, daily. I, It's nice because they take the initiative and they get what needs to be done mm-hmm. without me having to say anything. Right. Nice. And that's, that's the beauty of it. In fact, those guys will tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, and honestly, that's how I like it. Yeah. That's how I like it. You know, I think they care about their jobs and I care for them. And, uh, you know, it just, it just works that way for us anyways. I've actually seen him clean the toilets there. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Yeah. but does he do a good job? That's (laughs) we're still working on it. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Scott, welcome, man. I know uh, we yeah, know what am I doing here. This is crazy. I, I told Joey on the way down. I'm like, I think I'm just there to hold the boom mic while the legends can talk. So I'm just gonna listen to stories. Oh man. oh man. Well, I know you. You called yourself just before we kicked it on here a taddy enthusiast. Totally. And uh, that says a lot about uh, the product and all that coming from a guy like you. Yeah, I love the. It's it's easy to come to these things when you enjoy the product, love the product, use the product. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's an awesome product. And as you like the Taddy name to me, like it's a billion dollar name. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about the fishing industry, when you go Shimano and you go Daiwa and Taddy's a name that is one of those names. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things where, um, when you have, uh, so long story short, I just moved, just rebuilt my garage and everything like that. I have a jig wall as we all do in our garage, right? So majority of those jigs are pretty much all Taddy's. You have your other brands and all that stuff, but Taddy, like I said, it's the household name. (laughs) And I have a jig wall at home too. And uh, Yours is probably much bigger than mine. (laughs) I'm a history teacher as well. So the history of the company is something I bug Joey about all the time. I've been Mm -hmm. talking to him about, dude, we need to write a book, the history of Taddy and go through all the old lures and do that kind of stuff. So That would be awesome. um, that would be cool. I think people would love it. Um, so it's definitely an idea we've kicked around for a while. But yeah, the history of it all and that the stuff is still relevant today. And it is. Do you, do you have old pictures of Grandpa when oh, he yeah. first started? Oh, yeah. Like in the backyard? Yeah. Nothing from the backyard. Oh. Yeah, nothing from the backyard. <laughs> Where it all that started. Would, <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be a tough one. But, uh, you know, I, I just remember my, my dad talking about how he was making lures in the old days. And it's a pretty, to me, it's an interesting story. We owned a, uh, a Skid Row motel in downtown LA <laughs> <laughs> that was eventually condemned. <laughs> and uh, Condemned. Yeah. We would take the building supplies, leftover building supplies from that, from that hotel, and they would make, can make the lures. So... In the old days, you would have a brass strip or a steel strip on every uh, staircase, right, you know, to protect the edge. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, eventually those things kind of wear out. So we would take those; they would take those off, hand cut those. I call them strap metal mm-hmm. strap, and hand cut them with a hacksaw, 
and then put them in a vise, bend them over, mm-hmm. drill them, attach hooks and rings, and that's how they would no kidding. create a fishing lure. And uh, yeah, it was everything was recycled because I don't think we had any money <laughs> to, to, to have someone else produce it right, right. <laughs> or have someone else cut it when, well, I have a hacksaw. Mm-hmm. You know, not even a band saw, not even a chop saw, yeah. literally a hand saw to cut these things. And uh, even the the tatty name, mm-hmm. the stamp, you know, instead of having one stamp that says T-A-D-Y, it was T-Bam, oh. A-D, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, well, why, are, you know, my dad was saying, well, why don't we just make a stamp that says tatty? That way we just go bang one time. He goes, yeah. no, because... We already have a tool set. Oh, I see. We don't need it. But, you know, from that error, you know, if you have a tool yeah. that works, you know. It's not broke. Don't fix it. It's not broke. Don't fix it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have the extra money to do that. Yep. You just work with what you have. And uh, that's kind of the, you know, the strong, you know, deep-rooted work ethic. What happened to that era? It, yeah, it's tough. You know, we all, you know what I mean? We all want convenience, right? We all yeah. want, you know, what kind of, t- even, you know, what kind of tools can we buy to make our job easier? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, we're very quick to spend money on new machinery, new tooling when the old ways obviously still work, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's you, can, just, you can come over, by the way, and individually stamp a jig for, let's see how many you do in a day on the T A D Y and, uh, no, you wouldn't last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a two handed job. <laughs> nice job. Yeah. Do you still have a lot of these old like old jigs from from oh, like yeah. the beginnings and all? Oh that? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we still have we still have quite a few of them. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. Mostly all uh, flat metal jigs. Okay. Yeah, so they're going to be looking more or less like spoons or like. Castmaster ish type, you know, mm-hmm. s- kind of like stamped steel, but they're not stamped. They're actually hand cut. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, yeah. Oh, man. That's Scott, why it's weird. Yeah, I don't think there's a month that goes by that I don't call him and say, dude, I just saw this. I did not know that this lure existed. Tell me the story. He's like, well, this is what I know. And we do those stories like <laughs> wow. once a month. So, yeah, there's yeah. always a new jig that I find. And I'm like, hey, how did you not tell me about this one? He's like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> Scott, you're right, man. We need to like start raising some money for a tatty museum man all these stories are pretty cool i've talked to him about that before too yeah. but so i think as the historian i'm starting to collect the tatty museum for him because okay. yeah for some reason uh, i need to find a landing that will that can do that right that'd be nice at a landing to see a something like that yeah that's cool well so going you know getting away a little bit from the history but with with jig fishing i know you know from an outsider looking in it's not all of that um I don't know what the word would be. Not not inviting, but it, it, it takes some skill, and it more or less. For those of us that are uh, you know listening, or, or for anyone out there that are just getting new into fishing and all that, what are some words of encouragement to try and to to, to get them to try jig fishing? Because I know a lot of people go to straight to live bait and all that, but jig fishing it's really fun. It, it's it's a blast, and uh, you know I, I I tell everybody who's getting into the sport of jig fishing or even any sport is just maybe try to follow and uh, follow an advanced angler that mm-hmm. is willing to help, you know, mm-hmm. and ask them a few questions. And I have yet to meet anybody who is not willing to help someone trying to learn, whether it's live bait, whether it's jig fishing, whether it's, you know, how to cast, you know, personally, I, I love nothing more than to, to help a, a new angler or even a, mm-hmm. a novice angler or a, medi- uh, a middle angler that to get them to advance a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. that's, I love it. And I think Scott ha- shares the same passion with, you know, taking kids out fishing. You know, I think it's, it's awesome, you know? Um, but I would say, don't be intimidated to go up to the bow and ask, you know, somebody how to, how, you know, the proper techniques of casting, the proper speeds, you know, what to look for in a jig, how it should swim, you know, um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys are intimidated by the advanced angler on the bow with their 10 foot jig stick and their Ulua's and, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff and their Newell 533s, you know, and it, which it, it, is kind of unfortunate the way I look at it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, it, maybe they see it as a, 
as a as like a club. You know, those are those oh, guys yeah. up yeah. in the bow. Yeah. You know, which I don't personally like. I mm-hmm. think it should be, hey, grab that young kid, grab that, you know, take that young angler, bring him up to the bow and show him. Take yeah. some initiative and 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 do something right while you're on the fishing boat. You know, I mean we've all caught tons of fish, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. But have you taught someone how to have you taught someone anything today? That that's actually a really good point where, you know, for someone um, even myself, I'll catch myself sometimes where it's like you have that line on the, on the, on the bow of, of a sport boat or you like kind of go in order and all that. I'll find myself just going straight to the back of the line, not really kind of stepping up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just kind of just trying to, um, you know, fit in and trying to, you know, just get in the rotation, but not trying to mess anyone else up because you could mess mess people up. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, things happen. Yeah, things yeah. happen, and that, and we'd all be lying if we didn't cast over someone's <laughs> line before. Second like row caster. Yeah, you know, so it, it, things just happen, and I don't, mm-hmm. you know, you're gonna learn from. I wouldn't even call it a mistake, to be honest with you, yeah. but you're gonna learn, and mm-hmm. that's that's the whole king. But you know, some people don't catch that. Yeah. You know, it takes somebody to tell them, "Hey, buddy, uh, you know." Current's going this way, wind's going this way. You might want to cast this direction and let your bait go up swell. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. the, the 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 new guys into the sport may not catch on to those things. So mm-hmm. it takes a an advanced angler to help, you know, somebody out and teach them these things. Mm-hmm. So I think we could all do more of that. And I think growing up, we all had a one guy or one trip where we watched a guy throw the iron and outfish everybody else. And from that point on, you're like, okay, this is something I need to do. Um, And either ask that guy or eventually just start playing around with it yourself. But for me, I've had five random people reach out through Facebook this year and ask me to meet them at the park and teach them how to cast. That's awesome. And so, yeah, I didn't know these guys. Like, cool. Hey, how are you? Yeah, like bring them three rods. Like we, and because that's the most intimidating part, right? Like you Mm -hmm. need to get this jig away from the boat. And for a lot of people, that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I'd say about that is too many people go straight to a 10 foot. Oh, yeah. Alua. Mm-hmm. And they can't, they're, no, like start with an eight <laughs> That's foot. That's gra- Yeah, graduate to a nine right. foot, um, and eventually you'll get to the 10. So way too many people start at the end. Unfortunately, that's the expensive part because you need one for each level. Yeah. But it's the only way to kind of like walk your way through that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And go to the park, go go cast at the lake um, a so, lot. So, okay, on that. So I used to do... Um, go to like a golf course or something like after hours or whatever, nice wide open spot and everything you're, you're, I'm guessing you're probably just taking hooks off a, of a jig or whatever and just kind of throw, launching it. No. Cause no. the secret is you're going to, if you do it enough, you're going to catch largemouth bass on a tatty surface iron. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not joking. Yeah. Um, so literally I had a girl messaged me two weeks ago and say, Hey, can you meet me at the lake? That kind of thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I had two, um, Bass, like, just roll on the jig. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what those air I've heard that, for. I've heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, she learned how to cast. She got a lot better. And I had two really close uh, attempts at a bass that day. So there's uh, fish that are going to eat your uh, surface iron. Huh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never heard that before. Largemouth bass. Bass. So if you think about our lakes right now, they're all being dumped in with uh, the trout, right? And these bass are actively looking for a bigger kind of uh, profile in the water. Um, It's a good time to go cast a surface iron and practice it. It's wintertime. You're not going out. Mm -hmm. Um, But you do have the chance of catching a largemouth bass. If you, every day after work for half an hour, um, do that for a couple weeks, you're going to catch a largemouth largemouth bass. Interesting. We're going to watch all these lakes now with all these uh, guys <laughs> ca- casting surfaces. Well, if you go there, the guys are all fishing like Huddleston's and the big swim baits, right? Like mm-hmm. those guys are all that are doing that. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. reason why a surface iron. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. it's going to produce the same as some of those lures, right. but uh, you're going to get bites. Nice. Do you guys do much freshwater fishing at all? I do. I yeah. Do. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy it. I go up to the Sierras every year for you know a week at a time. Yeah. Oh, nice. Most, I, I, most of my fishing... Outside of the ocean is up there. Okay. Yeah. It's nice. just it's just nice to kind of, you know, sometimes get away from the ocean. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of trying to catch a forty pound yellowtail, you're trying to catch a one pound <laughs> trout. You know, and uh, it, I could. It, it's funny because some some of the guys they look at my my saltwater gear and it's 
you know, old Calstar 90J with the mm-hmm. Newell 332 monofilament line. You know, it it it's very old. You really? Know? You so you fish that on on a jig stick? I have, yeah. Really? I, I still do. I've 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 modernized as of recently because all my stuff got stolen oh no so i had to oh, but if, it, if that didn't happen i'd probably still be fishing my newel you mm-hmm. know and uh but you know but when it comes to trout it's you know custom-made phoenix rods mm-hmm. titanium yeah. sic's <laughs> you know stella's you know what kind of J- japan spectra can i get mm-hmm. you know i mean it's japanese lures that yeah. cost more than a tag. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Where are you finding the Japanese lures? Uh, there's a couple little shops in LA. Um, Is it really? You know, like like Richard's Tackle has one called a Zip Bait, and it's my favorite. It's it's really designed for smallmouth bass fishing, but it's my favorite lure for trout, and it's just killer. And it's funny, and they're huh. they're expensive. You know, you could go and grab a ten dollar Apollo. They don't want to eat it, but you throw a twenty dollar lure out, bam, they're hitting it. Oh yeah, know? and it's like these are some bougie ass trout. <laughs> I, I wish there was more uh, JDM stuff. I guess you can call it yeah. around that yeah. you can find, but because that's people don't understand. There, there's a there's a big calling for that here in America. People sure there is. people yeah. are tracking that stuff down like there's oh, no more. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, it's tough to get. It's tough to get, and uh, at least with zip baits, they're a, a, a smaller company. They don't have big, large runs, so it's it's they 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 concentrate on the Japan market, right? And we get the leftovers. You know, gotcha. but I'll take whatever leftovers I can get. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Interesting. What about you, Scott? We Much were just talking water? about this on the way up because we're passing Corona and we're looking at like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we were talking about, I'm like, ah, for some reason, I mean, yes, I do it because we're addicted and we go fishing mm-hmm. because it's the winter time. Uh, but the lake does nothing for my blood, like getting on the ocean, like I become a different person. Oh, yeah. And there's something about the ocean that like brings life to me that a lake cannot do. And I'm not bagging on the freshwater guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I just prefer to be on the ocean. Yeah, I understand that. You ever I been to the Sierras? That. I have. Um, I don't like it or June Lake is a six year old. I caught the biggest uh, trout that year. No, um, really? It, it, it's uh, I'd rather be on the ocean. I'd, I'd rather go catch calicos. You got to fish the, the creeks and stuff. Bishop Creek. <laughs> That's I, I get it. I know the guys are addicted. I've done it all. And I, we were talking on the way up here because we get invited to do a lot of trips. Right. And so at yeah. some point you have to get to the point of like, okay, I can't do all of these. It's too much money. I have to say no. And I told him, I go, I want to catch fish the way I like to catch them. Yeah. I want to catch calico bass on surface iron. I want to go to the Sea of Cortez and catch Cabrilla on surface iron. And I want to do those kind of trips and anything outside of that. Yeah. Um, he's been going down to the Amazon and doing that. And I did that once and it's cool. It's expensive. Uh, but um, <laughs> Peacock bass. Oh, yeah. 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 It's a big bucket list for me. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw a video of someone doing that the other like couple weeks ago, and it looks awesome. Uh, it's 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 amazing. Yeah, oh. it's 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 unlike anything we have here, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, being in the jungle, you know, you see wild parrots. There's alligators. There's anacondas. There's uh, capybara. Um, we've never seen one, but there's jaguars. You know, there's it's starting to sound like a rescue mission. Now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and if something were to go wrong, it would be a rescue mission. And that's kind of maybe the the danger of it Mm -hmm. is kind of what's alluring. You know, Um, it's it's, it's just it's a different uh, it's completely different than anything I've ever done Um, for my whole life. The only thing I've done was, you know, trout fishing, bass fishing, Mm -hmm. you know, saltwater fishing. And it's all been fairly local within California. Mm -hmm. Never left the country for a a destination fishing trip necessarily. And Mm -hmm. uh, my great friend, Gary Kimura, he's been going down to the Amazon for the last 15 years and uh, finally Mm -hmm. was able to put enough uh, aluminum cans away to afford a trip. (laughs) And and it was just, I was just hooked, absolutely Mm -hmm. hooked. And it's funny because he was saying, oh, actually, you know, this trip's kind of slow. The water level's too high. Mm. And I'm like, God. We caught 30 fish today. We caught 50 <laughs> fish today. I mean, and you're telling me this is slow? Like, are you, like, really? You know, because I was like, I caught, you know, a few fish over 10 pounds. He goes, oh, no. You want 15s and 20s. That's that's oh, wow. where you're at. And I was like, wow. You that's know, awesome. I mean, 
Yeah. That's right, because I think the fishing down there is reliant on the water levels or something. Yeah, very much so. And that's that's the tough part is uh, when the water level is high, it's, you got to find low water somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that might mean take going up the river, down the river for hours at a time. So mm-hmm. it, it, it can be challenging. It can be challenging. Mm-hmm. I went five years ago and we got on the boat and the guy's like, oh, Kevin Van Dam's group just got off the boat. And I was like, oh, we missed him. Too bad. You know, and they're like, mm-hmm. they caught zero fish. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. That's we're in the Amazon. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you mean you caught zero fish? He's like, yeah, we didn't catch one fish. And the water was way too high. And like instantly oh, no. my like, oh, my God, this is bucket list. This isn't something <laughs> yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. And it was not the trip I wanted. However, totally worth the experience. Um, mm-hmm. And it was that we were looking for low water the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Do you do you guys ever have those kind of trips going down to like Baja or whatever, Bay of LA or anything like that? I, I think the Tony Reyes trip out of Longfin is the most underrated trip that anybody could do for the price and what you get. And if anybody has ever caught a Cabrilla on a surface iron, they come out of these rocks out of five feet, you know, and you yeah. watch this 20 pound calico basically like hit your jig <laughs> on the end. And the, it's all about that first five seconds. If you can get him out from going back say, in that they're hole. probably trying to rock you all the time. Uh, it's the best fishing there is. If you like throwing surface iron for calico bass, you're going to love doing Gonzaga, Bay of LA, that kind of stuff for Cabrilla. I've heard so much great or so many great things about that trip, the Tony Reyes trip, and it's right in our backyard too. Well, if if you look at the price, so the only thing that throws people off is that you have to drive from America to San Felipe, right? Or once you're there, your car stays in a compound the whole time. It's totally safe. So that's the only thing that some people get scared of. But if you go with a guy like me, that's been plenty of times or is used Mm -hmm. to driving in Mexico, totally safe. Um, And for the price it's free beer. They, um, I, w- I went with a buddy last time and he kept, he kept going, this is free. This is, this is free. The beer is free. And then, you know, we got back in and we have, you know, hundreds of fish and he's like, Oh, how much is the fling? I'm like, it's free. He's like, this is free. Like everything, like, and for the price, you cannot beat it. And for mm-hmm. the fishery and what you're seeing every single day, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like a mothership trip where, yes. And the, they've been doing it for so long. The, the boat is always in the lee somewhere. So you're always eating lunch, like in a perfect lake. You sleep in a perfect lake because they have these little hidden spots for their boat. Mm-hmm. Um, totally worth it. But driving down to Gonzaga or Bay of LA, also worth it. Um, yeah. If you've never done that. It's on the bucket list. Mm. On the, uh, hopefully next too, year. Too many, actually this year. Too many bucket lists. Mm. I know. That's the problem. Buckets. Yeah, mm. exactly. That's the problem. You hear about all these great trips and everything, and, and that list just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. We have it, a trip to Bay of Valley this year. Nice. Yeah. Someone's not going. Possibly. We'll oh, see. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you need somebody to fill his uh, shoes, let me know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Taddy does a trip uh, to Cedros in August. And okay. that's another one of my, every year I do the, the Cedros trip every year I do a Bay of LA right. type trip. Okay. So those are my two kind of regular who, ones besides. Who do you go with over to Cedros? Uh, it's Cedros, uh, Cedros Adventures, right? With Ro- no, it's it's uh, Rosie's operation. Rosie's, yeah. operation. Rosie's operation. Cedros yeah. Sport Fishing. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Nice. And she, ha- she does a fantastic job with mm-hmm. everything. I mean, it's, she meets us at the border she gives us our paperwork. She mm-hmm. checks all of our paperwork, obviously passports and things like that. Right. Um, she walks us through. Mm-hmm. Um, we're never out of touch with anybody. Yeah. You know, um, never had any issues at the border. Never had any issues getting onto the island. Um, when we land, it's there's a van waiting for us with cold beers, mm-hmm. and we're shuttled right to the house, which is only that's the long drive of. Yeah, like, fifteen minutes yeah. maybe, you know, maybe, and Dude, then we're down the half dirt, half paper. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. yeah, we've been there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, they're quickly, you know, shuttling us around, grabbing our tags, like rig up, mm-hmm. we're going fishing in an hour. Yeah, and you, and it's it's just so mind boggling to me that well, well, we started in America this morning, but we're already fishing, and it's two o'clock in the afternoon. That's crazy, right? It's just un- unbelievable. I mean, yeah, and you know, it's all you know. Harsh, and to me, the two places that we just talked about, it's Jurassic Park. Like, yeah. like it's it's epic. The fishing is so good. If you're talking about the Sea of Cortez, you're talking about um, Cedros. Mm-hmm. It's amazing fishing. And that's why you yeah. go there. And 
you know, you can think about the, Am- we were talking about a trip to Argentina for Golden Dorado. My buddy invited me to go in November oh gosh. and yeah. I've never said, even heard of that before. Uh, oh, <laughs> if you've ever seen a Golden Dorado, like, and he was, Beautiful. they were like 40, 50 pounds yeah. and he, and he's like, Hey, you missed it this year. And I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, like I'm too, like Mexico Baja being in our backyard um, mm-hmm. for the cost of it. And for yeah. like how you quickly you can get down there and fish. Yeah. Argentina, $6,000, Brazil, six thousand. you know, you're like, you're looking at a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, for a couple of grand, you can get in and out of Mexico and have the trip of your life mm-hmm. and have the weather of your life and the people down there are fabulous. And yeah. so, um, where, so where on Cedros is your favorite place to fish? Do you like to go North or do you kind of stay in the South or, or all over? Does it matter? Uh, personally, I think I like the North. Okay. Yeah. I know they don't like going Speaking up of there, Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah. I like, I like <laughs> yeah. the North, Northern side of the Island for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, uh, two years ago, we had fantastic fishing just right outside the salt mine. Yeah. I mean, it was bird schools after bird schools after bird schools and just free swimming yellows right under the boat. Um, it was beautiful. It was mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. Um, so, you know, I, I always... Just go with what the captains recommend. Right. Um, this this past year, uh, it was just nice because we got to go to the north. We got to go to Benitas, um, something that we've never done. I've done it in a in a long range boat, but mm-hmm. obviously that's closed, so I haven't done that in 15, 20 years. Right. So right. it was say, let's just go to Benitas, and it wasn't great fishing by any means, but it was fun. It, we made mm-hmm. the trek, we did it, we crossed it off our list. We saw crystal clear water, you know. Um, which could be good, could be bad. How know. so? What what's the big difference, or how is it compared comparatively to fishing Cedros on a sport boat years ago versus fishing Cedros now? Well, on a sport boat, you're fishing, you know, a hundred feet to three hundred feet, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, with with Cedros, you're often you can almost see the bottom. Yeah, you know, you're within a hundred yards, or or most likely less than the shoreline. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was on the RP whenever, when this first started, Cedros, their first year of, op- and those little pongas were buzzing around our boat the whole time. And I was mm-hmm. like, why would you ever do that? Right. Yeah. And now I wouldn't want to fish <laughs> the island without being on a ponga. The really nice thing about it, it's you get off the water every single day yeah. at three, four or five o'clock. You go and you take a yeah. shower and something that's not moving. You have dinner on land. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to refresh and kind of get off the water for a day. And if there's wind, you can get away from it. Like all of those kind of things that you don't really can't get away from if you're on a big boat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really nice to get off and the camaraderie of like having dinner together, like oh, that's back on the yeah. land and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, it's it's better in a ponga. Nice. What about you, Scott? What's your favorite place to fish at Cedros? Um, again, the, the, the Norte guy. The yeah. Norte. <laughs> so, well, this, this year, um, and it's unfortunate we didn't find it until the like second to last day. And mm-hmm. so um, every morning with the yellowtail were kind of on the front side. And so we'd kind of make the run there and they would stop biting at like eight o'clock, nine o'clock yeah. in the morning. I hate it when it, that happens. And then, so you had to kind of make a day of it. Like, okay, yeah. are we going to go to Augustine for calicos? Are we going to go do this, this, this? And so you had to kind of figure out your backup plan. As soon as the yellowtail were done, what are we doing today? Are we doing black sea bass? halibut, whatever. And on the second to last day, we found that there were yellowtail at Campo Norte. So mm. not going to all the way to Punta Norte, yeah, but there's right. that camp that's there. Right. And these were the bigger yellowtail that were all sitting on the inside um, that were, you could see them everywhere because it was a lake back there it was glass. And so had we known that those fish were there the whole time, no we didn't get to like, we really knew, I knew. My boy, my boy knew. <laughs> um, so, and then once the yellowtail stopped, the halibut bite like yeah. went off that were underneath them. And yeah. so like that ended up being really fun. But um, I think one of the big changes this year to talk about um, Taddy Lures a little bit, we were uh, at Augustine and these guys were fishing um, slow pitch and I'm fishing oh, yeah. swim baits oh, yeah. and all this kind of stuff and we're catching good uh, calicos. Yeah. But it was one of the, I've had like two kind of moments where I was like, oh, there's something about this slow pitch. And so Joey's boat was five feet from mine and all of a sudden I see him catch a pargo on a slow pitch. And I was mm. like, oh, there's pargo here. And I see him catch another one. And I see, and so now I'm going through my box, right? And I don't have any <laughs> slow pitch stuff with me because it's 
not again how I want to fish Cedros. I want to fish fast on the surface, right. all that. Right. So I'm finding bladed jigs and dropping nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'm watching him with this slow pitch. Just all of a sudden, it's oh, there's a sargo. Oh, and like the bycatch, mm-hmm. all of a sudden. And I was still catching calicos, but I'm not really good when people are out fishing me. Like there's like <laughs> there's, I don't think any of us are. <laughs> no, yeah. If you're competitive, you're like okay. And yeah. so all of a sudden, people were borrowing slow pitch jigs from him, and now everybody <laughs> has caught yeah. um, a pargo. Including they threw one into our boat and I was fishing with Chance and Chance catches one and I was like, Mm -hmm. whoa, there is something to this thing. So um, I think the slow pitch, um, seeing it in action at Cedrus this year was something I was like, okay, adding this to the uh, tackle when I get home. Right. Okay. So speaking of slow pitch, I know, Joey, we did a slow pitch seminar last year for CCA. That was fantastic. I learned a lot and all that. Kind of go into slow pitch because I know it's kind of it's gaining steam and it's really yeah. really popular yeah. in the whole industry. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Um, it, it started in Japan. Yeah, they've been doing it for years. Slow pitch, speed jigging, vertical jigging. They've been doing it for years, and uh, I, I, a lot of it has to do with their fishery being. You know, they fish really deep water sometimes and rip and currents, so they mm-hmm. need. A lot of times they'll use those really long skinny jigs, you know, like a knife style jig right. and or a butterfly style jig and they're going to the bottom. Um, you know, here, you know, we obviously for the tuna, we're fishing, you know, who knows, thousands of feet, you know, yeah. but uh, it, it, it's really caught in, on this, caught in a lot of steam as of late, especially because of the tuna, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Shimano did a great job with their Shimano flatfall and they've caught in, you know, thousands and thousands of, you know, bluefin tuna recently. Um, and we've, we've created our own slow pitch jig that is different than others. And I, I feel a little bit more effective because it's easier to use, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, for, for, for our market where guys are just kind of getting into it, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like if we were to take surface iron to Japan, they would be like, what is this? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but now slow pitch and speed jigging is coming over here and we're like, oh, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know, and we're starting to gain the the proper techniques of it, um, the proper rods and reels, you know, you know, four or five years ago, everyone was using a Calstar 770 double XH with 130 pound test, you know, a 50 size reel for these bluefin. Mm-hmm. Now we're using, you know, true vertical jigging rods or speed jigging rods they are super lightweight they're short mm-hmm. you know everyone's trying to go longer and longer and longer while speed jigging is you know you're going shorter rods because you know, there's so much how, fast sh- how short are you are you talking six footers okay yeah a lot of six footers that are you know the the, the rod diameter is not much you know it's the same as like a calico rod mm-hmm. you know and you're catching fit you know 200 pound bluefin with these things it's it's you know so it's a, not a rod that you necessarily fight on the rail you know like a like a rail traditional rail rod mm-hmm. but there's just different techniques of fighting the fish you know there's a lot of a lot of pulling you know ver, uh there's a lot of pulling um like straight if you will oh, you're not okay, putting yeah. a you're not putting bends in the rod so much you're just kind of putting a a slight bend putting more pressure on the reel as opposed to the rod right so the reel has a has a lot to do with it Mm -hmm. you know uh more so than like a rail rod style stuff you know you want the bigger extended handle you want that you want that big handle you want the torque Mm -hmm. you know um and the speed of the of the reel too is important you don't want fast because then it's it's moving it's moving too fast but you don't want the the low gear like on a two speed where it's you know two to one or mm-hmm. whatever it's too slow so you got to find that happy medium at you know 4.5 somewhere you know four somewhere right around there where you could kind of do both but you you definitely want torque that's mm-hmm. that's the main thing because oftentimes these these slow pitch reels are single speed do they have to be like a narrow I'm narrow gonna... helps yeah. narrow definitely helps because you're when you're vertical jigging so quickly and so fast you don't want a wide reel so you're guiding your line you mm-hmm. know, back and forth, back and forth. You want it narrow to where you can do it real quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, Kind of similar to like a surface iron or a, a, a jig fishing reel is I like you know narrower reels so you could stack your line a little bit easier. You know? mm-hmm. Now, if you're a bigger person and you got big hands, you could fish up you know, a Trinidad 30 or whatever, you know, a wide reel or a Newell 338. That's great. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, for speed jigging stuff, you want to go 
uh, with uh, as narrow as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. How I mean, just as kind of like a as a manufacturer of jigs and all that stuff. How have you kind of enjoyed the slow pitch thing kind of just exploding here on the uh, West Coast in Southern California? Well, I didn't enjoy it at first. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's funny because, you know, in the in, prior to slow pitch, your tuna jig was a blue and chrome number nine. Mm-hmm. That's or a blue and chrome four oh, you know, and that's what we use forever and forever and forever. Slow pitch came out and it, it, it became the new craze. It became the new thing that you had to get. So we had to address that market. Yeah. And uh, so far, um, it's been great. It's been enjoyable, you mm-hmm. know, um, creating new jigs, um, creating new uh, new techniques, you know, new accessories that go along with those jigs, like assist hooks. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe we're the only, one of the only ones that has an assist hook that has wire on the inside. Oh, yeah, I've noticed that. Okay. So, you know, in the past, all the, the, the problems with the factory assist hooks was the assist cord was not strong enough the tuna would just chew through it everyone was just changing out their assist hooks no yeah. matter what yeah you had to change them out but the replacement was maybe a bigger hook but if the assist cord itself was soft or not very abrasion resistant it's gonna break mm-hmm. you know so we're using like 450 pound kevlar with 49 strand braided wire on the inside and I think you sell the assist hooks just by themselves, too. We do sell the assist hooks, yeah, just by themselves, yeah. So, uh, you know, and the assist hooks, were, the, the length of it is designed, you know, for our most common size jigs. Your 250 gram to 350 gram jigs, you mm-hmm. know, kind of in that area, yeah. Nice. And with when it comes to the slow pitch jigs and all that stuff, what do you have to, have to offer? Uh, we offer, right now, we have the... the the TS, Tuna TSP, which is a, a teardrop-shaped lure with a mm-hmm. with a cup on it, and there's it's heavier on one side than the other. So obviously your heavy side is going to be going down first. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of it is, as it's going down, it'll plateau and then wobble and then drop down and then wobble. Oh, okay. So your your chances of getting bit on the sink are very good, <clears throat> but even as you crank. It has a has a side to side motion to it, so you could still get bit on the crank. Oh, okay. So it's a, to me, it's a very easy jig for an entry level person to get into. Of cast, not even cast. You just drop it. You know, drop your jig down and let it do its thing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I always recommend if the captain says, "Hey, they're two hundred feet down," thumb the spool a little bit. That way, you get down into that zone quickly because mm-hmm. that's that's really what you want. You want to get down quickly and. You don't want to just let it free spool because that's when that you'll get all the action, yeah. which is which is good. But you don't need action at fifty feet yeah. or whatever. You know, yeah. you need the action at two hundred feet. Yeah. So get down quick, thumb the spool just enough so it puts just a little bit of tension on it. It'll go down mm-hmm. quicker, get down to the zone. Then you can start working it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it, I mean, so typically the last couple of years, it's always been. Um, say springtime, like April, May, you start yeah. hearing about this bluefin being yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Everyone's f- uh, fishing the night. I know, like last June or something, it was just absolutely crazy where boats were going on day and a half trips and coming back the following morning or something. Right. Um, super crazy. But slow pitch, I mean, it's applicable for almost any fishery. Yeah. 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 I mean, and we did it, me and Scott did it in Cedros. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I, I never fished slow pitch really for calicos. Mm-hmm. And it was just absolutely deadly. Yeah, you know, it was. We've done leadhead and squid. I've done tons of leadhead and squid, and it, it's great. You know, you just kind of drop it down, and you just kind of bounce it up and down, right? Mm-hmm. The slow pitch, at least the way we were fishing, it was very similar. Drop it down to the bottom, and you're kind of just doing long sweeps up, dropping it down, long sweeps up, yeah. dropping it down, and uh, it was just super effective, super mm-hmm. effective. And the neat thing, it was all smaller jigs. You know, we're yeah. fishing. 50 feet yeah maybe you know maybe well and, and what i was going to say is that two times i saw like oh there's something to this was in cedros but i've seen him catch white sea bass on it um and one of the trips i did with him we were catching yellowtail and the kelp on sardines and he was fishing it and all of a sudden i see a 15 pound 
a sheep head come over the rail. And I go, okay. And I see a second one <laughs> and I see a third one. And at one point I was like, you know what? How many more yellowtail in the 20 pound? Like I've caught these before. Like yeah. I want to catch a 15, 20 pound sheep head. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I went and did a, um, lead head and squid thinking he's catching one on this slow pitch. I'm going to be able to drop down and immediately get bit on this. Nothing. So I'm like, okay, I'll switch to a, a egg sinker. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I switched to a tube jig knowing everything eats this. I'm a hundred percent going to catch a fish right. as by the way, he's continuing to catch sheephead, sheephead, sheephead. <laughs> and so I never got one and I watched him just crush me on that thing. So there is something to it that, um, every angler needs to consider and have in their mm-hmm. tackle bag as an extra toy. Joey, I feel like you were just playing keep away from Scott on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the, the interesting about that trip was, uh, I just bought a ultralight slow pitch setup. Okay. And it's, I, I brought it to the, the CCA, uh, the, uh, the last slow pitch seminar okay. we do with yeah. at, at uh, AFCO. I think I remember that. And I, I waited out on a, uh, on a food scale, not nothing else scale, but a food scale. Right. And it was the same weight as my trout setup. No kidding. And by the way, it looked like he was fishing a trout setup because there's a <laughs> yeah. little tiny spinning reel and a little yeah. tiny spinning rod. Mm-hmm. And every time he caught one of these fish, the rod tip was like straight in the water because... Yeah. The bend was completely out of it. Right. No kidding. Right. Yeah. It's huh. it's 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 like drop shot fishing for saltwater fish. Right. Right. Fish. And but the thing is, you know, you look at the rod and you pull on it and you're like, there's no way anybody's gonna be able to catch anything of size with that rod. Mm-hmm. You know, but or with the reel for that matter. It's a three thousand size uh Shimano Stratic. Okay. You know, it's a it's a bass reel. Yeah. It's basically a bass reel with fifteen pound spectra. 15. Try breaking 15 pound spectrum. <laughs> yeah. you, you can't, you know. Um, you're still using a 25 or a 30 pound leader. Yeah. But 15 pound spectra. I don't, I never broke any spectra. Huh. You know. Um, Interesting. It's all on the rocks. And as long as you have pressure on it, you're good, you know, and they don't get you in the rocks and you're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to fish a, a, a high quality reel that has good drag. Um, you don't want to let them run into the rocks. You know, because, you know, they're already there. You're fishing mm-hmm. in the rocks, so you don't... And you just fish tight drag and, you know, hope for the best. But yeah. um, <laughs> I don't think we lost that many of them. Uh, no, I don't think you yeah. lost any, which no. was surprising because we were in the kelp. Um, mm-hmm. But I was going to say my trip next week, that's all I'm going to be doing for sand bass. So hmm. we're going to see how that goes. Nice. Well, good luck. <laughs> With, um, you know, when, when you think of slow pitch or when some people think of slow pitch, it's where... They think, oh, it's just another, it's another expense because the slow pitch gear isn't, isn't cheap. Do you have to do, I mean, in your opinion, do you have to have an acid wrapped rod or anything like that? Or can you just start from the beginning and just use some of your own gear? You could definitely start with some of your own gear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Your lighter calico setups will be great for your, 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 uh, your lighter weight, slow pitch jigs, you know, let's say, you know, 150 grams and, and below probably, mm-hmm. you know, a lighter, a lighter calico rod, you know, would, would work fine, especially if you're just kind of vertical fishing fairly shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're catching inshore species. Um, the, the, the trick is, I think, you know, you gotta have a, you gotta have a good reel. You gotta have a lot of spectra. Um, people make the mistake of wanting to fish heavy spectra all the time you know we have we all have mm-hmm. calico rods that have what 65 pound minimum 65 80, yeah you know 80. even 80 yeah right you know we, what what how much more can we go heavier right is how we're going the trend well mm-hmm. if to do it effectively i think you got to go the opposite you want to try to go lighter weight spectra because you want that jig to go down quickly mm-hmm. and easier and you'll have a better action with it with the lighter spectra mm-hmm and for me, if you're a construction worker and you have the wrong tool, the job takes double the time. When you have the right tool, it gets yeah. done real quick. Yeah. To me, all the stuff that we're having, including my surface iron setup, you know, if I'm on a big boat, I have a 10 foot reel and a Tranks 500 and the job is easier when you have the right tool. Um, when you have the wrong tool, cause that's what this is about for me. I want to fish as light as possible. I'm not a big right. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the proper equipment makes it more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are fighting your equipment, when it comes to fighting a fish or like jigging the jig and all of a sudden, you know, I tell people not to bring a 10 foot 
jig stick on a ponga and that person after an hour is completely worn out right because mm-hmm. they brought the wrong tool to the job you can get you know you don't need a 10 foot you need an eight foot's gonna work fine like feel the, the weight of mine versus yours so to me yes i understand when you're first starting you want that outfit that's gonna do everything yeah but as soon as you know that this is your hobby and that you're in lo- like like buy the right tool for the job because it's way more fun kind of like a right. set of golf clubs absolutely you're not using everything all at once you're using them one at a time for different situations right. every time i get a new girlfriend um <laughs> she goes into my gra- <laughs> she goes into my garage and she, the eyes like come out of their head like oh my god because well, you know there's a couple hundred rods in there and the yeah. tackle is like through the roof and like it looks like a hoarder like it's a crazy person <laughs> and so i have to like give them that analogy and i'm like do you golf and they're usually like no and i'm like well you don't like want to drive with your putter kind of a thing mm-hmm. but i also say do you own shoes oh yeah what like oh i have running shoes i have going out shoes yeah well that's the same thing that i have on this wall over here i have 200 pairs of shoes i'm gonna use that analogy on my wife that's a good one everybody everybody can borrow that one it, it calms things down right away you know with the with the tackle though um it, it obviously sky's the limit mm-hmm. and uh if you're looking at the some of the japanese tackle i mean some of the slow pitch rods are a thousand dollars you know easily a thousand dollars and the reels are a thousand dollars it would be great to have those things, but are you a good enough fisherman to really know the difference? No. You know? I, I, <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, we, we I don't know. It's like, you know, going back to golf, we could give Tiger Woods the cheapest golf golf club set in the world, and he will out-golf all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, we, and then, conversely, I could get a $10,000 golf, golf club set. <laughs> don't mean I could drive straight <laughs> down the lane, you know? So, but there is a, you know, I recommend people getting into it is um, try to buy the best quality product that you could afford. Mm-hmm. Um, I could guarantee it's going to be something you're going to get into. So don't skimp. If it means holding off, saving a little bit more money and buying a good setup, I, I would recommend, I would recommend that. Um, and going back to the acid wrap thing, yeah. one of the main reasons why you acid wrap is mainly because you're moving the rod up real high and then you're slacking it is you could oftentimes you'll you'll create a loop in your line and it'll wrap around or it'll wrap around your tip. So if you're mm-hmm. if you have a traditional conventional rod that where all the guides are straight in a line facing up, that mm-hmm. that spectra can wrap around and and attach itself to the tip and that's going to be the time when you get bit of course and it's going to break your tip yeah so that's why they acid wrap but mm-hmm. you know do you have to have it i don't think so mm-hmm. you know it's it's just a nice feature but it's not going to it's not going to stop you from doing it effectively mm-hmm. you know so there's there's plenty of rod manufacturers out there now that make inexpensive rods you know under two hundred dollars you know for a slow pitch rod um I would probably recommend something like that. You know, get a, get yourself a, you know, like a Torium mm-hmm. or a Saltis or an Akuma. Good reels. You know? yeah, yeah, they're all, you know, they're all great reels. That rod, right? that's an acid wrapped rod right there behind you. Swimbait rod. Oh, that's yeah. a cal- Yeah, yeah. It, it's neat, you know, and you could use, you know, like it's a little bit lighter because they could u- you use one less guide usually, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's cool. <laughs> it's cool yeah. but i don't know if do you have to have it eh, no so I, like i said don't let the tackle stop you from trying something new if you mm-hmm. wanted to do it you know if if you only have a calico rod use that calico rod yeah you know or if you yeah. only have a rail rod don't let it stop you from going out right and the you know we don't you know with slow pitch with with tuna you, you know you don't have to have the slow pitch rod you can get away with a rail rod, mm-hmm. you know. Um, our vertical jig that we do, we call it a hybrid. So it's in between like a slow pitch and a, and a knife jig or a, ver- uh, a speed jig. You know, you could get away with using a heavy traditional conventional rod or spinner um, because it, it, it swims coming up and then it swims going down, mm-hmm. you know. So you don't, you're not doing these very, you don't have to do fast vertical actions like with a vertical jig or a traditional knife jig you could kind of do it halfway you know 
in between and mm-hmm. you can get away with those things. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of something cool, the surface iron, that's one of my favorite. I know Scott, you're smiling here. That that's, I'm, I bet you anything. That's probably your favorite way of fishing it's, and all it's that. It's as good as it gets. Is there anything better than a yellowtail on the surface iron? Again, go, go to the Sea of Cortez <laughs> and, like and throw a surface iron over some rocks and watch a hundred Cabrilla come out of the water all chasing your jig. Um, okay, that's a pretty fair good. point. But it's why I go to Cedros, right? Like mm-hmm. catching yellowtail on surface iron down there every cast, you know, as, as good as it gets too. So, mm-hmm. yes. So when it comes to the surface iron and everything like that, let's talk about the the, the tool for the job and all that stuff. What jigs are you recommending? What colors? I know colors. There's always the stigma about how they attract the fishermen rather than the fish, which I'll <laughs> let you speak to that. But uh, tell us a little bit about what, what your setup is for surface iron fishing. Uh, let's see. Currently, right now, um, I'm using a Phoenix 909H. And I, I, it's a nine-foot jig stick. Uh, I think it's rated from you know, like 25 to 50. 50 or something like that. And I fish mm-hmm. mainly uh, 65 pound spectra to 40 pound or 50 pound liter, usually. Mostly 50 pound now liter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I use it with the Tranks 500. And I found that, well, and and go a little bit beyond that, I, I put a palming trigger on it. Okay. So that, that Tranks is really designed for palming, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it really works well with that palming trigger. And that's kind of the big difference versus uh, a traditional jig stick with cork tape, you know, all the way or, or cord even, mm-hmm. um, is this one has a palming trigger, so it's a real seat, yeah. but you don't use a clamp. Interesting. So, if, To yeah. me, that um, the Tranks 500 is a game changer yeah. uh, because you're really not having is. to put your line on every time it's being right. done. And I understand the old school guys are mono guys and the new school is more of the Spectra stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you figure out how to hold that Tranks 500 in your hand, it is the yeah. best yellowtail reel um, yeah. out there because again, I want to do less work. I want to have yeah. fun. I don't want to be sweating all day long. I want to cast <laughs> a thousand times. I don't want my body shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the best way to do it. But I will say for those of you guys that are switching over to Spectra, um, as with the yellowtail, you need to back off on your drag just a hair um, looser than you would when you're fishing mono because you're going to shake yellowtail off. Um, the other thing, you need to fish a little bit lighter tip on your rod because yeah. yep. you need the the um, the head shakes to be in the rod. Yeah. And if you fish with the too stiff of a rod, you're going to lose a yeah. lot of yellowtail mm-hmm. um, because they're going to shake the jig out. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. on mono you have that stretch in there and right. you don't, you're not going to lose any with the head shakes. So for those of you switching over to the Tranks 500, um, I fish 80 pound spectra on my mm-hmm. surface, uh, with like probably a 40, you know, a two foot piece of 40 pound or 50 pound. Um, you need that lighter rod tip to absorb, uh, those mm-hmm. head shakes. Yeah. I was going to, that was my next question. Do you typically fish just an arm like a full of a fluoro or anything like that? Yeah. Like 50 pound foot and a half, two foot piece of, yeah. 40 pound, 50 pound, 60 pound, depending on where you are too. Like in Cedros, right. you can get away with 80 to 80 if you really wanted to. Yeah. Kind of um, need to. <laughs> right. uh, and it's nice right. sometimes because you're not retying at yeah. all that day. You know, right. you're just fishing the right. same. Yeah. yeah. Traditionally, I'm, I usually fish nothing heavier than usually 40. Mm-hmm. But I don't, the last, I don't know, five to 10 years, I think the trend of going heavier and heavier is, is has become more. And, uh, you know, watching Scott fish in Cedros, well, he's getting bit on 80 pound. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. Why not go heavy? There was a point where we were going to Cedrus, and eighty pound was like the minimum. Like yeah. they, all the guides were saying, you have to fish it. Yeah, no questions right. asked. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, the the difference between down there and, and and up here, where like if you're island fishing, you can get away with forty, no problem. Sure, all sure. that. Do you guys typically go out to Clemente and all the all the time, and go out to yellowtail fishing and everything? Oh yeah, Absolutely. bass fishing. Yeah. I know you're a huge Benny uh, Benny advocate, Scott. Love you, Jerry Mayhew. Love Jimmy Decker. Love all those all guys. those guys. Yeah. 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 Justin Reynolds. Yeah, I'm actually kind of jealous of your uh, trip next week too. I kind of want to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, when it comes to the um, length, we we discussed a little bit about where you, maybe you should start with an eight footer, not go straight to the ten footer, and all that. Nine seems to be the happy medium. And I was going to say that Phoenix rod that he talked about is super light and it's Mm -hmm. so nice to fish all day long a nine footer. You would not think that you were throwing a nine footer all day long. Um, If you are going to jump up to the 10, the the skinny butt Alua is a better jump than going to the full um, Alua 
for when you're ready for that. But to me, um, everything has a time and a place. Like on a big boat, there mm-hmm. you need a 10-foot rod because you need to get away from the boat. When you're mm-hmm. on a ponga, you're fine with an 8-footer. And it's actually yeah. easier to manage on a ponga as well that's moving underneath you. Um, so every type of fishery has a different you know, yeah. tool that is has its time and its place. Yeah. I mean, you're right. We're, I think you said it earlier where when you're fishing Cedros, we were fishing the North side two years ago and we were probably maybe 20 feet from the beach or you didn't need, you didn't need a 10 foot uh, stake. Why put yourself through that? Well, in this last trip, I want, I won't give the name, but, um, they had a 10 foot and it was hard to gaff the fish. They had to go up to the front of the boat and the captain had to go to the back of the boat. And that was the first time I even thought about that. I was like, Oh my God. Like, and um, they were worn out. It was just t- too big of a rod mm-hmm. to be doing that all day long, especially if you're on one of the smaller pongas and if there's any chop in the water and you're mo- using your legs to stand up the whole time, mm-hmm. um, it's difficult to swing that 10-foot rod all day long when really Alexa 400 um, mm-hmm. and an 8-foot Terramar is all you need. Yeah. So I tell her, you know, it's not always better <laughs> bigger, you know. <laughs> I preach it all the time. <laughs> Well, one more question about fishing Cedros to you guys. I know when we went, we were pretty much in the kelp all the time. We were pretty much just kind of uh, gliding on top of it and all that stuff. So we had to fish a lot of weedless baits and everything. Mm. What is your recommendation as far as Taddy goes? Um, what do you typically fish there when you're in that scenario? Uh, uh, I like the, the A1 light. It's our it's our smallest surface iron. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the believe it or not, a fixed hook. You know, oh, like you okay. would for barracuda because yeah. it's it it's way more weedless than a treble hook. Um, but me and Scott were actually talking about making weedless surface iron uh, the other day, specifically mm-hmm. for fishing in the kelp. Um, huh. But you know, t- typically you can, you know I've, I've watched Benny throw large jigs into the kelp, and he just he just finds those pockets is what yeah. he does. Yeah. You know, um, and he could do it. He's he can, he can yeah. cast accurately. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think I can do that. You know, I make jigs, but I still don't want to lose that many. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, finding those pockets, those lanes, you mm-hmm. know, you could get away, in my opinion. I, I like the small jig. I've always liked small jigs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the 45 or a Starman 112 probably gets better, better, but... You know, it, 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 you, you can lose a jig, though. It, mm-hmm. It's tough. If you, if you backlash and you're in the kelp, well, you're in the kelp. Yeah. You know, not much you can do. Unless, but now with 50, 60, 80-pound leader to 80-pound spectra, you could get most of them out. It's just, it's just hard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending on what you're fishing for. So if you're talking calicos there, but one thing to say about the yellowtail, um, I think a bigger jig in Cedros yeah. is better. Yeah. And so the, yeah. the Taddy 40 Senior and the 14A ended up being our best jigs. And I think the bigger yellowtail also. We had a day one time, um, this is a couple years ago, where the Bonita just flooded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And any jig you threw out got hit by a bonita. There were yellowtail swimming with them, but you couldn't yeah. keep the um, bonita away. Oh, and the trick yeah. was you had to put on a Taddy 40 Senior or a 14A, and you had to burn it. And the jig was so big, and you were reeling it so fast that the bonita couldn't like keep up. Yeah, you'd still occasionally catch one, but the yellowtail yeah. would charge through. And at, the, at it, as fast as you could reel a, a 500 tranks, um, the yellowtail would still come through. But you needed a bigger jig. Um, and that whole island, by the way, has gone totally mint. Like, I, if, you, if you've <laughs> nice. ever fished Baja, every Mexican fishing guide is going to go through your whole box and they're going to pull out one jig and it's going to be a blue and I white jig. I was just jig. about to say the blue and white. And right. so, like, you bring them down there because, in. yeah. And yeah. so you bring them down there. And this year, like, I looked and our guide has on all mint. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> there's been a change in Cedro. So yeah. um, mint has totally uh, invaded that island. Yeah, <laughs> I, have, I, I might have a little bit of background on that story. Uh, <laughs> you know, Rosie brought up one of the captains to the Fred Hall show one day. And uh, he was telling me, I love, you know, love your product and everything. And he goes, and I said, well, let me, you know, let me make sure you have some jigs to bring home, right? Back to Cedros. Mm-hmm. And I just painted all these beautiful, you know, custom colors. You know, I think I had like half a dozen different ones. And he goes, so, well, what kind do you like? He goes, um, well, none of those. <laughs> do you have blue and white? And I'm like, blue and white? I mean, really? I mean, yeah. you don't have, I mean, why? Why would, you know, mm-hmm. of all colors. And he goes, no. 
blue and white. That's what's that what works the best. And I'm like, okay. And uh, but the following year was my first trip to Cedros, and I brought a lot of mint jigs. And mm -hmm. uh, he still didn't believe in it. He was still fishing a blue and white, huh. but we just started killing them on solid mint. And it was just working and working. And finally, I got pretty much all eight guys in our group mm -hmm. to fish mint. And then it just, I think it just became a thing. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And by the way, not to sell Taddy jigs on here, but um, I think the, the, four, <laughs> the 14A is out of production. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. So, 14A is out of production. So trust now. me, yeah. if you're a guy that goes to Cedros, go, because yeah. what's out there is out there. Um, That's it. Pick up some 14As because that bigger size, that profile is sometimes what the big yellowtail are keying on. Yeah, hmm. that's what our captain was using the whole time was a 14A, and he could Javier, yeah, yeah, he was fishing, a, I believe, a, a seven and a half footer and outcasting us with, you know, eight foot jig sticks. Wow. And the again at that two years ago, or well, no, it's longer ago than that. Three years ago, there was so many Bonita that yeah, you had to have a jig that to to fish quick. Yeah. You had to burn it, otherwise it was just Bonita after Bonita after Bonita, and the 14A. And the, the 40 senior. senior is a good burning jig. Yeah, yeah, definitely a faster, a faster retrieve jig. You know, mm. way more so than a 45 or a Starman 112. Mm. Um, you just, you just burn it. And I, I, I feel that yellowtail down there like it fast, more faster than say San Clemente. Mm. Interesting. So the big jigs, but I, but I think like at San Clemente, I don't. You know the the standard forty five or Starman one twelve is is perfectly fine and the speed is perfectly fine, um, but for whatever reason down there they they wanted it fast. Huh. My mind is blown. That's well, crazy. and so I fish with Chevo every time. I've been fishing with him for over ten years down there. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I got in his boat, he had a Starman one twelve in solid mint. It's the first time I've ever seen him, and he <laughs> used it the whole time and caught the whole time. And I'd never really kind of put Starman one twelve in my yellowtail head. Mm -hmm. It's more I like it as a calico, oh, kind of oh. slower kicking. Yeah. Um, yeah. But watching him, and I asked, I'm like, "What's your favorite?" And he's like, "This one right here." And I was like, "And for a guy who fishes that every day, who mm -hmm. obviously gets given loose." and all that kind of stuff for him to walk on and say, this is my wow. yellowtail jig. I'm like, okay, that <laughs> needs to change my thinking a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, uh, sometimes with these guys, depending on their casting technique and their speed of their cast, mm -hmm. depends on the jig too. So the Starman 112 is flat on the back. And same with the Starman. Those jigs that are flat on the back shoot better through the wind versus a 45 that's cupped. You know, when the 45, you'll see it tumble in the air. But a, a, a Starman 112 or a Solus 7X, they shoot through the air better. And mm -hmm. if you have a very fast swing speed, you know, you could really launch that jig. Hmm. You know, so again, it's, it's, you're, it, it gets a little more, this is the advanced stuff, right? right you know, your right. tech, your technical stuff with rods, your, your body size, your strength, mm -hmm. your casting style. Um, all those things as you get better and better and better you start picking up a few of these things and you know chevo he likes that starman that's that's his jig and i think it's because he has a fast casting speed and it shoots through that wind a little bit better wow and maybe he doesn't like a heavier jig like a senior or or a or a 14a you know he just likes that that medium size mm-hmm and so by the way, for all this stuff is when the fish are up and you can see them. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't see them and you're stopping and you're fishing the column more, um, mm -hmm. a, a2 is the jig for me. Uh, Cedrus is a shallow island. So if you fish like a 4-0, it just sinks like a rock to the bottom and you need something yeah. to kind of... And the for those of you guys that can't cast, best thing to do is actually cast into the wind and let the boat push you away from your jig while that A2 is kind of slowly making its way to the bottom. And now you just oh. added an extra 100 feet to your cast, yep. and now yep. you're fishing the whole water column. Mm -hmm. And when you don't see them, that's the way to get bit. Huh. Interesting. Look at this guy getting all scientific on the podcast. I know. Oh, I know. Man. Oh, did you want more? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you tie your knots, you tie yeah. it now. <laughs> Guys, we are going to continue this conversation on the Doc Talk podcast. Make sure to go tune in uh, on that one. But for us at CCA, thank you guys so much for joining us. Go follow us on CCACalifornia.org as our website and follow us on Instagram at CCA California. We will see you guys next week. Thank you.